And welcome back to another episode of Relatable Chapters, uh, start of season two. Joined with my flatmate, <laughs> Maka, Michaela. How's it going? Good. Quite yeah. good. Michaela Rose, depends who your audience is. Oh, true. What's mm. the difference? Well, Michaela Rose is, I suppose, my tattoo name. Yeah. If that's what we're going to talk about. But um, yeah, both. We're going to talk about a lot of things. But yeah, season two. Had a good break. This time coming back without all the extra questions, uh, just to, in a way, cut some time <laughs> so you don't have to deal with that. Before I go into it, you seem to be great at explaining what my podcast is about, <laughs> yet you don't know. You've never listened <laughs> to never one. I've never listened to <laughs> So what is Relatable Chapters about for those who haven't listened before? Uh, um, so Relatable Chapters is about uh, people's lives and you know their stories and, and finding things that are... Um, of relevance in other people's lives too, so you know you can connect and yeah, do a good. Hang job. on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. with season two as well, we're gonna try bring in a keynote theme. Um, so I know a lot of people are passionate about something, a subject or a point uh-huh. that potentially could be a good keynote speech to say have in front of an audience of children or adults or whatever. Um, so season two will have the key turning points like normal. But roped in with it, we're going to have a keynote uh, speech theme. I'm not asking for a speech. Because <laughs> you're not um, going to get one. <laughs> this has been a very hard one for you, hasn't it? <laughs> but in the end, um, you've managed to come up with determination or resilience. Um, looking at your key turning points, I'm going to say resilience is going to be the main one. Um, so that is your keynote theme. If you were to be passionate and um, inspire somebody or something uh that's what you'd talk about as resilience i think that's probably what i'm most qualified in my own life to talk about yeah <laughs> but i actually forgot before we go into it three things you're grateful for today oh um the rain also the sun now that that's come out uh and coffee this morning fucking nice and easy eh? <laughs> um i'm grateful for you uh looking uh, <laughs> like allowing me and benny to live in this lovely house oh um, I'm grateful uh, to be over here at the Mount Papamore. Um, went up the Mount this morning in the rain. Um, it's quite nice actually. Mm-hmm. And sure. I'm grateful for the spa. <laughs> You're very welcome. Second time I've been in <laughs> it. I've been oh. here for since Easter. Yeah, I'm yeah. very grateful to have the both of you here. Oh, that's good. Benny loves it, eh? Um, Good boy. You ready? Yeah, should we kick off? The rugby? <laughs> <laughs> 80 minutes is cut. <laughs> um, do we get half time? Well, we can do. It depends if you need to get toilets. Oh, we got some out there soon. Um, we start with bullied at school. Oh, yeah. Well,. Is this primary Where do I school? Start with that. Secondary um, school, mostly secondary school. So, like, I growing up, I went to like a primary school that was out like rural, so quite mm-hmm. small, um, small numbers. And then, like, I don't know, it was quite different after that, heading into the, like town. Um, and I think because I didn't have any other friends that kind of went to the same school, I ended up just kind of being singled out. And like, I think I just got boobs before everybody else, mm-hmm. and then I kind of got packed on just because. The boys were like, I got more attention from the boys and the girls didn't like it. So mm. anyway, all the rumours started and 
my life just got made real difficult real fast. So, um, yeah, that was uh, pretty horrendous, actually, because um, I didn't have any friends. And, yeah, I just used to get kind of tormented through class. So I used to wait, like, yeah, it's pretty sad. I used to, <laughs> like, at lunchtime, I'd be, like, looking at my timetable for my periods and be, like, okay, I'm just going to get through one more hour of this. And um, But, no, I mean, it was during that time as well, though, that I met one of my best friends who plays a big part um, in my life overall, so... Um, I used to go on the bus to school from like out rural and um, I met my friend Bryce initially he picked on me and called me a turd former and told me that my hair was yuck and <laughs> <laughs> later on he's like it's just because I liked you I'm like eh, alright um, <clears throat> but no he stood up for me one day when I was getting picked on and so we kind of stuck like glue ever since and that was our thing so yeah I can know yeah um, so one of the key parts of this conversation is going to revolve around tattooing so this is pre-tattooing. Um, this is pre-tattooing. It was not tattooing. Oh, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, where this comes from is, did you um, go through to year 13? Did you finish year 13? Yeah, so I, I left that school um, and went to a different school, which was so much better, um, like for me as a person. Mm-hmm. And I made some of my other really long-term friends that I've got there. Um, so I went through to year 13. Um, I didn't... I, I did go through to the end of year 13 but I had quite a few other things going on at the same time and um, I used to take a bit of time off school because uh, during that sort of period my nana became quite unwell and I was really really close with her yeah. um, so I used to take off every second Monday or something and drive her up to Waikato to have chemo and stuff like that so that was kind of yeah all integrated. So that flows into your second key turning point yeah. out of a hundred. Twelve we got here. Yeah. Which is completely fine. Um <clears throat> makes it more interesting. But you nana passing away. Yeah. So why was this such a key turning part of your life? Um well, so what age were you as well? Like, uh I think I was eighteen. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've kinda got blocks of time where I d like, don't know exactly what age I was and mm-hmm. when and things. I've sort of blocked a few things out. But um I moved up to live with her after I left school, so um I'd kind of I'd had a, the end of a relationship there and like a betrayal and I'd kind of um, I'd gotten into like doing a few sort of illicit things mm-hmm. and <laughs> anyway, uh, I left kind of all that to go and, and try and like um, be there for my nana and take care of her but really she took care of me um, and pretty much like she was my biggest inspiration I think growing up like artistically. So she painted, she mm-hmm. was an artist, um, she did other things as well but uh, we were just really, really close, so I think she was probably <laughs> she was probably um, one of the most influential people in my life, anyway. Um, and and so, how long did this um, living situation last for? I think, off the top of my head, maybe about eighteen months. Mm-hmm. So longer than we thought. Um, and I did quite a bit in that sort of frame of time. Um, I moved up there, I struggled to find a job for a while, I eventually did, and it was actually kind of what took me into tattooing, so um, I learned to pierce, and I did like retail and stuff, so piercing is not something I enjoy, and I don't want to ever have to do it again, Um, but it was my ticket into... Tattoo and piercing go hand in hand. Yeah, into tattooing, it was my... Why do you think they actually go hand in hand? Because they're both kind of, in a way, years ago, the rebellious kind of Yeah, I suppose scene. it's alternative. It's, you know, you can use the same kind of environment. You're dealing with, yeah. like, blood and needing to sterilize. Hygiene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, everything. So 
I'd say that they probably just just that alternative yeah, sort of body yeah, modification yeah. Um, kind okay. of yeah. I'd yeah. Yeah. Um, so you got into uh, piercing retail. Yeah. So that in that time, job, looking after you. Nana. Yeah. I pretty much like. Well, she she really did take care of me, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I pretty much learned to pierce, and then that shop actually like relocated out of the city, and so I didn't like there was no job there for me anymore. Um, I found a different job, and. That was working at Video Easy, and that was actually so much fun. I loved it. it was, <laughs> I met lots of great people that I'm still friends with now, Lonnie being one of them. Yeah, at Video Easy. Yeah, what, yeah. did he work there? Or was he regular? He worked there before I worked there, oh, um, yeah. and then he had this DVD put in. We used to have the uh, previously viewed titles, and so uh, we used to have them in a drawer waiting for, like, with the, you know, um, employees' names on them for who was coming to collect them or whatever. Anyway, his one was in there, so before I knew Lonnie, I wanted one of the DVDs that he had, and yeah. I just really hoped he was never ever going to turn up. <laughs> and anyway, he did, and uh, we spent a lot of time together and became really good friends. So yeah, um, and yeah, so I worked at Video Easy, and then during that time, um, my nana did pass away, and I had my other best friend, so Bryce, who I spoke about just mm-hmm. before um, at high school. I kind of rang him because it was it was really devastating for me. Like I didn't cope with that. Obviously, I don't know. You just don't. That was my first mm. huge kind of loss. Um, and I was living in the house by myself. Everyone else had kind of like gone home, and it was just me. And I just rang him, and I was like, I just remember I think I was crying, and I was just like, Bryce, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do? And he's he just kind of he's on the phone, and he just goes, Give me two weeks, and I'll I'll come and I'll move up, and I'll come live with you. And I was like. Balling. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he quit his job um, down in Topol and moved his life up to live with me. Um, and where were you at this stage? That I was still in my nana's house. So I stayed there. Which city? On Hamilton. Oh, yeah. So I stayed there for about eight years all up. Um, and he came up and we lived together for about three years. He got a job at Video Easy as well. Um, but, yeah, during that time I took up an arts course and – Part of that let me kind of explore different mediums and just different things that I could kind of credit towards it. And so with that, I um, I was interested in, in tattoos and in tattooing. It wasn't something I like grew up wanting to do or mm. it wasn't like my dream job or anything. Um, but it kind of piqued my interest. And um, my boss at Video Ease, I remember her saying one day, she's like, oh, why don't you, you know, look at tattooing? And I was like, yeah, I could do that, I suppose. And so I... I um, one of my friends was getting tattooed at the time and he invited me to come down and watch and I got talking to the guy who was tattooing him um, in the studio and I just sort of said to him, hey, I'm doing this arts course and would it be cool if I came and just like watched what you guys mm-hmm. are doing? I'm intrigued and um, I saved him from a cricket. He was like, you know, like just a little, it could bite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you I don't even him. like bugs. Yeah, I know. He was like, he was freaking out about it. Anyway. You know, me being the hero. Um. <laughs> you saving someone from a cricket, though. Like, <laughs> so I'd be funny. the one saving you from a cricket. You would be. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I know. It doesn't quite compute. Know. Things have changed, Mason. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, I went back a few times and um, got talking to them and was just really intrigued and I was able, like I said, to to put it towards this course so I kept going back and um, eventually one of the guys gave me like it's just an old power supply and some disposable grips and needles and a machine 
and sent me home and basically said, uh, like, and some ink, and um, just go home and, like, tattoo a sack of potatoes. And so <laughs> I went home and I bought a sack of potatoes and I tattooed them all and um, took them back in and showed them my potatoes I was very proud of. And um, they were impressed. So uh, one of the guys who was apprenticing there at the time um, just said, oh, you know, do you want to do a tattoo on me? And I was like... I have no idea why I said yes or, like, mm-hmm. how I – like, now I'd be like, um, no. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's scary. Um, but I did it. And so I did this tattoo. It was this blue diamond um, on this guy's Arkley's, which would have been awful. It took so long. Um, anyway, did it. It actually didn't turn out too bad. Pretty good for a first tattoo. Um, and then, yeah, that healed up. The, the guy who owned the shop um, – he came back, I think, about one week a month or every six weeks or something um, to, to sort of take care of things. And he he lived out of New Zealand or mm-hmm. um, somewhere else. So he'd come back. And anyway, I met him the first time and um, he just, you know, had said he'd seen the diamond, this blue diamond that I'd tattooed on one of the guys. And um, he was impressed with that. And, that, you know, it healed well. And um, he just sort of gave me the opportunity to uh, learn to tattoo um, after hours on my friends mm-hmm. um, and also their receptionist um, was going on maternity leave so um, I could pierce and it gave me a, a sort of an entry ticket into mm-hmm. the shop so I was able to pick up some of like the reception work and learn to, like keep piercing and learn to tattoo um, I was also still working at Video Easy and doing a full-time art course so I was very busy <laughs> alright let's peel it back <laughs> Back to you, Nana. <clears throat> so was that cancer? Yeah. How did you deal with grief? <clears throat> um. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, first kind of big trauma event for you. Really. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I probably just kind of almost didn't deal with it, but I definitely poured all of myself into my art and mm-hmm. um, into creating and I think I just threw myself really into into working and then like into this arts course and did you have any support oh uh, yeah I mean like for instance Bryce moving up and living with me um and then also my other friends as well like I did I did have a lot of support um thankfully but my friends have always been my support network so they are my family um there's been a lot of instances where I've needed to kind of call on them and they've been there so I'm very grateful for that. So if we just fast forward, you've also got um, your dad passing away. So from mm-hmm. between your nana and your old man, like, did you learn how to deal with grief in that period? Did you? I don't know if you ever really like learned yeah, how to say, deal there's with there's grief. There's no way of nailing it, is it? Oh yeah, no, there's no like five step process. Well, actually, I think there is. I'm not sure, but. Um, there's definitely different like emotions and different things that you kind of go through, and I think it can be cyclical. But okay, I'll reframe it. Do you think you kind of recovered from that before your old man passed away? No, I don't know. I don't know if you ever really truly recover from those kinds of things. I think you just learn to um, live with these things and adapt and and kind of allow them to teach you something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah. So then after that, your next key turning point is learning to tattoo on Bryce. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I already got the why you got into tattooing and kind of the how. Yeah. Um, does he regret any of it? 
Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you'd have that heart to tell me. <laughs> the other um, one is, so I've had a few tattoos myself. Yeah. I've never tattooed somebody. Yeah. But a sack of potatoes, a potato and skin. Oh, they're to not me, the same thing. Nah. I, I thought <laughs> okay, you'd do it on like um, pork skin or something. Yeah, like on pig pork skin. Belly. No, like, see, I suppose that's too expensive. Uh, no, it's not. I don't even think it's expensive. No, pork but belly. Yeah. Well, oh, like the pig's, like the skin though. I don't know. No, okay. Just, yeah. I haven't bought it. I've never tattooed pig skin. Um, I grew up on a farm. I am vegetarian. I, did, I don't have the heart to... Yeah. <laughs> so like if, man like I, I couldn't imagine do it. I couldn't touch it no. if, if I was in a tattoo studio and this young teen comes in <laughs> with like a sack of potatoes <laughs> like you'd be looking at me like wow yeah <laughs> looks good <laughs> yeah I don't know how I got the gig <laughs> oh it's just weird like potatoes <sighs> Well, I mean, I, they told me to tattoo potatoes, so I did the potatoes. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, but like, how do you... But I also okay. like bananas and stuff, you know. There's many, you see, there's many fruits and vegetables you can More tattoo. so, like yeah. good skin. Well, I think because, of, and then I'd like tattooed a person, like yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. early, like I think, yeah, I kind of got... Yeah, so obviously you're forever grateful for Bryson. A hundred percent, yeah, I am. How for for lots and lots legs. of reasons. Um, So one of them we've... Pretty much completely sleeved. I mean, I think that one's probably just going to be a, a forever in progress kind of like rework. Rework. <laughs> He's got like all the originals. Um, it's like having an artist, you know, first works and the stuff that they do, you know, in the future is quite different. Yeah. Um, but the amount of trust, like I used to just, and I remember him saying this as well, like I used to just draw on him. And he'd have no idea really what I was like doing. And he's like, yeah, I trust you. <laughs> Go for it. But no, he gave me his legs at the beginning. And he goes, oh, I don't look at them. You can have them. And I was like, thanks. What a good count. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I um, There was a lot of tears. Like learning to tattoo was hard. <laughs> tears for you or him? Tears for me. <laughs> I hope there weren't too many for him. <laughs> um, Why? Um, oh, I just, I remember doing this. We did this piece, this rose or something on his thigh, and I remember lining it out, and I was just so upset with myself because it just wasn't perfect. Like I'm a perfectionist at mm-hmm. heart, especially in my art and in mm-hmm. my work like that. And so, yeah, I cried a lot <laughs> just over different things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I just, you know, I thought was he's my best mate. You know, I didn't want to do a not good job yeah, on him. Yeah. I was trying really hard, um, but yeah, I had to learn. So yeah, um, so. Is tattooing a passion, or are you just good at it? <laughs> um, I suppose that depends on who you talk to about being good at it. But uh, I mean, I'm definitely passionate about it. Like it's it's the medium that I'm most proficient in. Mm-hmm. I think with tattooing, though, like I love the artistic side of it, and I love creating for people, and I love the ideas, and especially now that I've kind of like honed in my own style of work, and um, mostly that revolves around like flowers and birds and things like that um but the people that come to me for those things like I get the most beautiful clients Mm -hmm. um and I'm like very very grateful for them and just the connections I make with people so like there's so much more than just like the actual tattoo that is a part of Mm -hmm. it yeah what's the longevity like as a tattooist like how long how long am I gonna be able to work (laughs) yeah like like obviously you say tradies they eventually their body starts failing they're like oh I'm too sore for this yeah um I think 
maybe some of the stuff I've seen, or at least like in in the past with different um, artists, just off the top of my head. I think some people maybe uh, lose interest in it, mm-hmm. um, but also like it is really hard on your body. It's hard on your on your back because you're in some awkward positions for yeah, hours. your wrists and all sorts of things. Um, I've been quite fortunate so far. But it's not something I think I definitely won't be doing it forever. Um, usually, like if you're a tattoo, you kind of have to start thinking about what you're going to do afterwards. <laughs> um, have you already started thinking about it, that? Yeah. Well, kinda. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to say you're still young, but you're going like, oh no, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, relative, right? Yeah. You're yeah. young. <laughs> Younger. All right. So the next key turning point is getting tattooed by. Is it Jesse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. is this the manager that we just mentioned? No, no, so this is a completely different studio. So while I was, this is before I even realized that I actually was, I was like, mm-hmm. before I had the moment of, I'm going to do this, like I'm actually going to give it everything mm-hmm. and become a tattoo artist. Um, So I had been working in the other shop and so the guys who were there, were, they were really good to me. Um, They taught me what they knew. Mm-hmm. Um, But... Uh, they hadn't been tattooing for like a super long time. How long have you been there for? Me? Mm. Um, I think I might have been there. So when I first started, I probably spent a good 18 months just tattooing like Bryce and a couple of mm. other friends. So that was like very sporadic. It was a very slow learning curve for me. I didn't do a whole lot of it. I was quite yeah. actually afraid to tattoo people. <laughs> um, and then uh, I was probably there for about three maybe years before I met Jesse, I think. Okay. or maybe less. So three years of just... Um, Bit of practice, finishing your arts course. Um, yeah, it may, may have been less than life. that. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and anyway, I met Jesse. I decided I wanted to get this tattoo. I'd seen his work and I, I loved it. Um, I went in to Flex Roots and I hadn't really, I hadn't been tattooed in that many other like studios before. Um, and we just got kind of talking and he was just such, like he was just so nice and so helpful and just gave me so much advice and like it was super encouraging and I just hadn't really m- met anyone else who had kind of been able to offer me that and he just kind of pointed me in all the right directions for like, hey, look at this or like check mm-hmm. out these forums or whatever. And so it kind of, like I was at the other shop and I was trying to like buy the best stuff, use the best stuff, like trying to learn however I could because I really wanted to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have like kind of all of the um, maybe tools I needed to Mm. to get there. So in meeting him, it kind of like just opened up my world um, into what, you know, where I could kind of step into or which direction I could Mm. kind of go in. And, yeah, I just got so hyped up and so inspired by that that, um, yeah, it kind of set me off on this. Like I just really pursued it. Um, I really, like I wanted it after Mm. that. Um, And so, yeah, I just... Read all the forums, watched all the like videos, and I learnt a lot in quite a short space of time, and was able to apply it. So, and then so did you go and end up working it? Um, I did in the end, but I actually yeah. worked at another shop in between. Uh, that's a different story, but I yeah went from the studio I was at to another one, and then that didn't work out, so I ended up at Flex Roots um, in Hamilton. So mm. that was that was an awesome time like I really cherish I was there for about three years really really cherish like that time of my life and the guys I got to work with mm-hmm. and um Mark who was who had the shop there um it was a very inspiring and creative place to be um and Jesse had left then uh he went over to Melbourne not long after I got tattooed but um it was so a, are you yeah, still in touch spot. with Jesse yeah 
Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Does he still provide you good guidance and stuff like that? So Jesse's actually not tattooing anymore. Right. Um, so a lot of there's actually quite a few people who uh, started out tattooing around the same time as me and aren't tattooing anymore. Uh, great tattooers, but they've stepped into different things because, like you know, you sort of said, like mm. we can't all keep doing it forever. Um, and different opportunities come up, and you just take different like kind of paths. Um, and, but he gave me so much advice, like throughout you know my career. Anyway, and so much inspiration that kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, refocused me or pivoted me towards different things. And I got tattooed by him a bit and um, by his wife. And, yeah, I learned a lot from the both of them. I used to stay with them when I traveled to Melbourne. And mm-hmm. Yeah. They're actually a part of kind of the story when everything happened with my dad too. So. Oh, yeah. You would. Because I was in Australia. I was in Melbourne when that happened. So. Oh, yeah. Um. Apprenticeship. I didn't have one. You didn't have one? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not like a formal one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, is this, it was is tattoo, there formal, tattoo is there like formal, after hours. <laughs> is there like any formal kind of <clears throat> oh, paper not, signing of a fucking nah, tattoo? Not in New Zealand anyway. Um, Do you think there should be? Uh, oh, that's a really hard question to answer. Mm-hmm. What countries do have it? Is a I actually, I don't know. I don't think there's anything. Oh, there probably is now, but when mm-hmm. I started there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something I've kind of kept an eye on just because I'm not. I'm you not don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not. I don't need to apprentice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not looking to have an apprentice. That was a question. Moment, yeah. So. Where is it? Have you had an apprentice before? No. Do <laughs> I do not apprentice? know enough to teach somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like I know enough. I don't feel like I know anything. I feel like you've got a lot of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Because as far as I know, I know you're so humble about everything. <laughs> but from the surface, it seems like you're one of the best around the place. Oh, um, For you to say that you can't really teach anyone because you don't have anything to le- teach anyone. Well, I feel like I don't really know anything. Like, I feel like I don't really um, technically know anything. Like, I just, I don't know. I just kind of do it. So then how do you <laughs> gauge your... Um, not really self worth. Yeah, I suppose self worth worth to be able to charge a certain amount for like for what I do. Yeah, I think so. Like I, I know that I technically like with the actual process of tattooing. Technically, I'm relatively good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for charging and stuff like that, it kind of comes down to demand. So before I left New Zealand um, to head overseas the first time, I had uh, about fifteen months. Um, and I actually booked that up in like a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. I had quite a high demand relatively early on. Um, and so okay. I think that kind of pushed me later on to, to yeah. decide to, you know, put things yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So your price is driven by demand, but your demand is obviously driven by your skill. <laughs> and yet you don't think you got enough to teach someone. Why is that? Why? I don't know. I haven't really like thought about it. Um, Do you just not, you obviously have confidence in your abilities. I, I know that when I set out to do something or, you know, for a client, like I'm putting everything that I have into it. And throughout like my career, I've put everything that I have mm. into tattooing. I've actually like, I've sacrificed a lot of things um, because tattooing has been like my main mm-hmm. focus. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. There's a bit of food for thought then. Yeah. So um, after meeting Jesse, he kind of opened your your eyes up to 
to the more advanced. Well, just what what, what was like, possible. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, more learnings, more experiences, further stages, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So then you started going hard and settling. You. Yeah, when I bought all the books, I went through, yeah. I like dissected everything, made little post-its. I, they've probably still got some books somewhere with post-its. Yeah, so one of my it. questions <laughs> here is, what does studying look like as a tattoo artist? Like, what does putting in the reps look like? like I come from a sporting background, yeah. you know, like if you want to train to be better at, what you, at say, game time, you I go mean, to the gym, I think you it, work on skills and stuff, what, what, what does that look like for you? Um, I think it's... Like, it's hard to say because, like, I didn't have a traditional apprenticeship. But mm. for me, in my, you know, scenario, um, it was really by doing it. Um, I read a lot of stuff online, like forums and mm-hmm. things, trying to, like, figure out problems. The, the, I think one of the hardest or most challenging parts like, with me learning to tattoo is I encountered, like, a lot of problems mm. early on. because And I didn't have, like, guidance or people around me to really sort of, like, show me. Mm-hmm. Um and then, so what sort of problems are we talking about? Um, just like even how to use particular machines and things. So when I first sort of started out, um, I bought different machines to the guys that were working at the shop purely mm-hmm. because, <laughs> to be honest, my machine, the ones I bought were lighter, mm-hmm. um, but they were rotary machines. They were using coils. They're quite different in the way that they work. And um, I just had to figure everything out. It was like just trying to learn something mm. completely new without having really a book to read or anyone yeah. sort of to ask. Um, it was very experimental, I suppose. Uh, but, yeah, I had Bryce for that. And mm-hmm. so I pretty much solely tattooed him for, like, I think it must have been about 18 months um, just so that I didn't have, like, a bad name before mm-hmm. I really had a name. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I think going through just trying to dissect you know, look at other people's work and figure out how they'd done something. Um, Instagram became a huge thing. That In terms of, um, like, what to, like, the skill behind it or the art of ideas on how things look, how you can design, how you can colour, how you can shade, like, how, what... Like, how how does it work? Like, you're, you're studying, you got these massive books right here. <laughs> yeah. Do you just yeah, flip yeah, through, yeah, look yeah. at pictures, and then put them in your memory bank and mm. go, that's what a flower looks like. This is how a snail looks like. Oh, uh, I see. No. So, like, I mean, I use loads and loads of photo reference for stuff, mm-hmm. especially now. I used to do, like, I used to draw a lot more. Um, and But, like, the way that my style sort of evolved, I use a lot more photo reference um, just so I can make things, like, look how I want them to. Um, so, you talk about post it noting and stuff. What? Yeah, so these were like books of other people's um, tattoos and things. So, I used to go through this, is probably before Instagram kind of mm. really blew up. So, um, back in 19. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> cut it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, these books with tattoos in them. I'd go through, I would write on these post-it notes, like pick, pick something mm-hmm. out about it that like I thought was different or I wanted to try and implement into my own work. Mm-hmm. And so from there, like create like flash sheets and things that I wanted to tattoo. So uh, the shop I was in, I didn't get a lot of walk-in stuff. So I've never really had that kind of crowd. Um, but I did start to create my own client base by basically, um, you know, drawing things and then having offering them out Um mm-hmm as something that I wanted to do and people pick them up and yeah, I just got really lucky that it kind of kept uh, the momentum and snowballed. So your first trip to USA in 2015, 
mm-hmm. is another key turning point. Before we dig into it, how long have you been tattooing for at that stage? Oh, oh, I don't know. Maybe like this like, is after meeting Jesse. Yeah. After starting to delve deep into. So it might have been like five or six years, maybe. So by then, you're you're that is your profession. That is your job. Yeah, yeah, full-time. yeah. So twenty yeah. twenty thirteen. Not the 1990s. Um, I basically started full-time tattooing. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of like, it's hard to say, like, people have been, how you know, how long you've been tattooing mm. for? And so, you know, well, my first tattoo was a very long time ago. Um, but full-time tattooing um, since 2013. So. Okay. I'll just hit you with some um, just generic tattoo questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. It. It's like well, I'm at uh, a party every time I go out, yeah? Yeah, is going? it? <laughs> is that what it's like? Yeah. <laughs> You go, well, yeah, you go out, people find out you're a tattooer and then all they want to talk about is tattoos and, you know, oh, can you cover this up and um, what, this is my idea kind of thing. So I actually tell people when I'm out that um, I work at the petrol station so that I don't have to talk about tattoos. Yeah. As much as I love my job, it's yeah, nice I was to go say, out like, and not have to talk I, about I, I understand, work. like, in a sense that for me, if someone would tell me you're a tattooist, I'd be, you know, interested in certain things, but I wouldn't go... Oh, could you do this? Yeah, because I, I know that'll be like with, fucking yeah, irritating. Yeah, well, see, not everybody knows that, but I suppose it's like you know, if you're a doctor or something, and someone's yeah. like, "Oh, hey, I've got this rash. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you want to have a look at it? <laughs> Can you tell me what it is?" Yeah. Um, no, nah, I understand mm, that. Yeah, so I usually choose an alternative job. Um, there's a few of us uh, that I'm aware of, like tattooers in my circle, that you know we have different jobs when we go yeah. out. Yeah, I reckon they accountant. Change. Accountant should be the main one. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, the or thing, finance. you know, with ga- I went with the petrol station because I thought, well, everybody can complain about the price of gas, so it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is um, my um, when I meet a tattooist questions. Then okay, go. <laughs> um, I've already asked you like apprenticeship and shit like that. But what happens when a tattoo artist is sick? You were just sick the other day. Uh, <laughs> you don't know sick so, leave. Well, no yeah, one's you don't, you don't have any you. sick leave. Nobody else can do your job for you. Um, thankfully, I only had a cold. So, and I was tattooing one of my good friends. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, like, regardless of yeah, the situation, yeah, no, just popped into yeah, my head. Yeah. Then. So, um, so I mean, I, I worked a half day for her, and she basically fed me and took care of me. Yeah, know? but okay. yeah, generally. So, <laughs> generic in a generic sense, you got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck, just. Whatever. You just can't get sick. You just don't get sick. Yeah. yeah. But if, you, if you're if you sick and you have to reschedule someone. So I try really hard, obviously, not to get sick. Um, but pretty much as soon as I take time off, that's when I get sick. That's mm-hmm. when I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're going to do it now um, so I can recover. But the... Because see, like annual leave, or you don't, you don't really have, you just book out your time. So yeah, that you, you don't, don't have... Book yeah, or when you get like sick, that. so then you just have to rebook somebody. That's just being that's, self-employed, yeah. So I... Yeah, I really do try not to get sick. So until, like, yeah, just recently, mm. obviously, I'm still a little bit sick. But um, I don't actually think I've taken a sick day. Like, I've managed to mm. end up sick in the time that I've had off. Yeah, no, Which that's has good. been pretty helpful. <laughs> um, Are there types of tattoos that you dislike doing? Um, there's, yeah, I mean, there's tattoos that I'm not interested in doing. So there's things that don't kind of align with what I want to create in the world, which I think is something that's really important to me. I like to think about things in that way. At what stage did you kind of narrow down what you want to do? 
Was it since the beginnings people come to you and be like, oh, no, nah, I don't want to do that? Um, there's, yeah, for sure. There was some stuff at the beginning I wouldn't do, but at the very beginning I definitely took on. Uh, as much as you can. Yeah, yeah right. lots, yeah, lots so of stuff. So what, what is your style? What is your niche kind of thing? You say flowers, oh, birds. Yeah, so this is kind of hard. What do you hard. like tattooing? Okay, so I mean I love tattooing flowers. Like flowers are my favourite so a lot of thing. lot of color, right? Lots of florals, mm-hmm. lots of botanicals. Yeah, col- it's all color. All my work's color. Um, if someone's got a black and gray piece, you're one of the very, very few. There's probably like ten people. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I just went straight into color really and loved it. And uh, yeah, flowers. I mean, my style though, for instance, like it's really hard. I don't kind of fit into any bracket. So um, or sort of genre. Um, I suppose um, it's illustrative. It's not really realistic, but in some ways it probably looks realistic mm. to some people. Um, Fuck, some of your work looks realistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I get that, but, you know, I've gone and put lines around it, so really I could be neo-traditional. So I just, I have my own style, I suppose, of work, and um, there's no real way to define it. <laughs> um, Quite often you're doing large pieces too, aren't you? Yeah. Um, like you're not just doing your quick one-hour job. No, so pretty much everything is at least a day. Um, what what made you want to do that? Oh, that just kind of happened by default, yeah. Um, people just wanted bigger and bigger pieces, really. I used to do, I used to be able to like achieve huge tattoos in like a day when mm-hmm. I worked, especially in the States. Um, really long days, though, like 12, 13 hours. Um, so, like, really a double day. Mm. Uh, and my clients were incredible, they sat through it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think it just evolved. There's people, you know, eventually you have people wanting sleeves, you have people wanting back pieces or, like, you know, back mm-hmm. pieces on their legs, thighs, etc. cetera. Um, and I've, I've had the luxury of choosing, so, um, yeah, I'm in a fortunate position. Are there any tattoos you regret doing? Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why? Is that what it looks like? <laughs> um, oh, I think... Was it the person? Mm, no, 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 not the person. But um, I so <laughs> I there's definitely I can think of one thing anyway. But it's really just because I understand why my friend's mum might be mad at me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she, she loves me, but, but <laughs> <laughs> Price has got a lot of tattoos. <laughs> yeah, I tattooed his feet, and I don't think his mum was very impressed with me. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting, huh? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just some profanity. That's all. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, have you had any clients that you just really disliked tattooing, and you kind of uh, the way you tattooed inflicted more pain than necessary? No, um, no. Even if there's someone that I might not see eye to eye with or, or whatever, like I've been really fortunate that. Pretty much, I think because of the work that I do and the people that I attract, like I've had, like I get, I do get really beautiful clients. Um, uh, if there's ever been an instance where maybe I don't gel with someone, either it's kind of like it, the tattoo doesn't happen to begin with, or if something's happened, like I, I would never go out of my way to to inflict pain mm-hmm. on somebody. I don't like, I actually don't like hurting people. I don't like the process of you know people mm-hmm. being in pain when I'm tattooing them. I, yeah, that. Is probably my least favorite part of tattooing. Yeah, no, but as much as you think that, and you're like, <laughs> you know what, <laughs> screw this person, no. <laughs> but I tell you what, so one of the girls who bullied me um, at high school, I don't think she realized, you know, who she was messaging later on. 
um, when I started, you know, I was chatting with a lot more people and um, she messaged me wanting a tattoo and I was just like, this chick was like, <laughs> I could do it, but no, <laughs> not, not happening. Um, so you haven't had an apprentice, you don't really want one because you don't think you're smart enough, whatever. Um, <laughs> hey, I never said smart enough. <laughs> just reading between the lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, imposter syndrome, definitely. Um, how in-depth is a tattoo set up? Like, not tattoo set up. Well, yeah, okay, if a client comes in and saying whatever, what is the process? You get references from photos, you draw it up, you print it out, you stencil, you put it on. You do the lines, you do sessions like the black, the colours, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, is that is that? It's pretty much it. Yeah. That pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So people with my stuff, um, because I've got like a relatively high demand, I'll generally get everybody to send through. I'll open my books, get everyone to send their ideas through. I'll read through everything. I'll mm-hmm. select out um how much work I think I can take on and the ideas I'm most drawn to. Uh, and then I'll either have consults with them, or sometimes there's enough information there, and I'll um just take all of that. Uh, we'll get people booked in and uh, do the designs. Yeah, pretty much what you've sort of outlined, really. Yeah. yeah. And then, so, have you had anyone turn up and be, I don't actually want that? Or no, do you mitigate I, that by sending them a final design a lot uh, prior to? Yeah, so typically I send people their design the night before. Um, but generally, I think because my work, like, does have a relatively distinct sort of look, um, people have an idea of what to expect anyway. Mm. Um, and I also do ask for creative freedom, so... When I design something, there's like a lot of thought that goes into it, especially with the composition and, and kind of how I put everything together. So I try to like explain all of these things. I have a lot of information that I send people beforehand um, or that they can view like on the website and stuff just so they have an idea of how it works. And and then I yeah basically just put it all together and send it out to them. It's very, very rare that I have to change anything mm-hmm. um, just because usually I've, I've collected all of the information to begin with. Um, and if anyone doesn't want something a particular mm-hmm. way or a particular colour or whatever, I have that before I get there. Where do you think your style is kind of stemmed from? Um, Was it your nana that just liked painting flowers? I mean, she definitely painted a lot of flowers. Um, I, I've always had an affinity for flowers and like the natural world. So um, I don't know. I would just say it's developed over time. Um, that's a good question. I think just trying to make things. I kind of describe myself really actually as like a like just a bad realism artist sometimes because mm-hmm. it's like I've just like you know I'm wanting to recreate something, but it's just like it's filtered through me, and yeah. so it comes out like this. Um, but I do like I do have some understanding of um, a few things. So okay, last generic question: What is it like having a name for yourself? In a way, when I first moved in, you had a shitty email. And I said, just fuck it, don't worry about it. <laughs> but you had to write a formal, lengthy email to cover your ass in the sense that you didn't want to tarnish your name. What is it like having a well-known name? Is it daunting? Um, is it? I'll what? just say, I'll kind of clarify that. So this, the the email in particular mm-hmm. was someone who was upset about waiting on the wait list. Yep. Um, and just all of the information that they'd been sent. And so I just had, I like, I like to try and seek understanding with people and try to help people understand why things happen in mm-hmm. like a particular way. So yeah, my email back was essentially trying to be like, this is why this, this, yeah, and this happens. So, sure. but yeah, having, I mean, you know, I don't know. Like I, I, the thing is for Do me, like I care. Well, no, I th- like, I think I care so much about what I do and I care about, 
you know, people having a good experience and, um, you know, I, I just want to do my best by all the people that I, like, mm-hmm. can. Um, and so when some when I get, like, some kind of negative feedback, which really doesn't happen very often at all, um, thankfully, uh, it like, it hurts. So, like, it feels personal, you know. It's like, well, I'm trying to do all these things and, like, send you all the information mm-hmm. so you know what to expect and, and explain stuff. But um, I think it's like a... It's like if somebody was to come and just tell you, you know, something about you that's not mm. nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you take it to heart. Yeah, you take it to heart because you care about it. You care about... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what you're doing, so... First trip to USA, 2015. Why is this a defining <sighs> moment? Um, That was... So, my first trip to the States, I mean, it's a huge defining moment, like, moment really, because I ended up um, later on going back there and... And getting my visa for the States. So uh, 2015 was cool. I went for a few months. I went with my partner at the time. Um, it was a great trip. I met some really cool people. I got tattooed while I was there um, by two of my favorite artists at the time. And they still are. Um, and that just, I think it just gave me such an eye-opening experience. And I just, I don't know, I loved it. I loved New York. It was so cool. Um and I just wanted to go back, really. Um, but I didn't go there for me. It was never my dream. It mm-hmm. was my partner's dream at the time. And so um, I just kind of went for the experience, really. <laughs> yeah. So what did you do? Just jump around different studios as, like, guest guest artists kind of thing? Uh, no, or did so you go I, and just talk to people? Yeah, no, I kind of connected with, like, one studio and got to know the guys there and stuff. And then um, when I came after that trip back to New Zealand, I decided that I wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get my visa when I came Back to New Zealand and then um, had to go through all of, like, that was actually quite a big process. It probably took me a year or so, maybe over. Um, So I came back to New Zealand and decided, like, yeah, I loved it. I wanted to go back. I wanted to work over there, um, get my visa. So to get it's quite hard. You have to have a lot of – the visa itself, it's an O1 visa. It's called an exceptional talent visa and you essentially have to try and prove that you're exceptionally talented. So Mm -hmm. you have lawyers and things that help you with that process um, to be able to get it. And So what was the difference between tattooing in New Zealand to tattooing in the States, like in New York? Like what what drew your attention to this studio in New York? Um, Like why was this experience make you want to go back? Was it the people? I mean, was I, it think, the, the, I think the, the city. I probably so fell in love with. I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the people. I mm-hmm. fell in love with just so many things about it. It was just so exciting mm-hmm. and like new and so it was a new I, adventure. I, yeah, exactly. Like I love traveling, um, and I don't know. I've always wanted to travel. So like growing up, that was one of the things. Like I wanted to make art and I wanted to travel, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how I was going to do it. <laughs> um, and then tattooing kind of fell into my lap, and so like I. I got to kind of do everything I wanted. Um, I got really fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add to that first first trip? Um, I think that first trip was probably pivotal in the way as well that, like, I got tattooed, like I said, by two of my mm-hmm. favorite artists. So one of them, um, Amy, who I got tattooed by, it was a collaborate like a collaborative piece. I got talking to her then and I actually eventually ended up moving to the UK to work with her um, later on down the track. So I think there's all these things kind of just like all these synchronicities and things um, kind of started there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 
So we move into your dad passing away. Yeah. How did this? <laughs> well, what happened to begin with? Like, like the the instance. Like you mentioned, you're in Melbourne. Yeah. So um, I was. You mentioned before we started that um, a piece went viral. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was doing a guest spot in Melbourne. So this is after I'd come back from the states. Um, I was doing a guest spot in Melbourne uh, with Jesse and Nicole at the shop there, and. I had um, I had this client and she'd had a lumpectomy and we were doing like a scar cover up. A what? Sorry, a, a lumpectomy. So like a not a mastectomy, but um, also like breast tissue mm-hmm. removed. Um, and so we did this big, huge, big cover up. I think it took like thirteen hours. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. She was super strong. She was amazing. Um, and we got it done. Uh, I think I finished at like two or three in the morning or something. Um, came home, was pretty wired, like, at that point, you know, you've been so focused for so long, mm. like, you're exhausted, but I uh, didn't get a whole lot of sleep. I woke up relatively early, kind of, that morning, and um, decided to sort of go about my day. I had this, it was, yeah, I probably won't go into that, like, the whole lot of everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyway, went about my day, and then, like, later on, I was I was tattooing that day as well, and later on, I got a phone call, and uh, it was my brother basically just saying that, um, my dad was being airlifted to Waikato mm-hmm. Hospital. Um, and, yeah, that kind of threw everything out. He's like, this has happened, and he's not going to be okay. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, that like, sent me, obviously, into shock. Mm. I actually still tattooed after that, because I, I really care, like, dude, I really care about tattooing, like... <laughs> And my uh, clients, I didn't want to let people down. So, like, well, I was gonna my, ask, but I was like, this is probably a cunt <laughs> thing to say. Like, did you finish the tattoo? But wow, well, okay. I hadn't, I hadn't started that day, and so like this had just happened. So like, he hadn't even started tattooing. Nah, and so you still did the whole they day. were just they were smaller pieces, the ones that I was doing that day, in, you know, in particular. Um, yeah, essentially, I got this phone call. So my friends, so Jesse and Nicole, they took care of like getting me flights and stuff organized. Mm. But I, I was just in shock. I just didn't really know what to do with myself, and I had clients coming, so did it. Tattooed them, packed all my shit up, <laughs> uh, got taken to the Damn. airport, and flew home. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. My um, partner at the time, and says I think I arrived at like five in the morning. Um, just as I'd landed, my dad had passed. Um, and yeah, my friends came and my partner came to pick me up and, and take me to yeah the hospital. It was the longest trip of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but how did this affect your life as a whole? Um, I think that was what was the aftermath. I should say <clears throat> the like, uh, the aftermath was actually massive. Um, I think it's so hard, like, grief is such a bizarre, weird experience, like, thing to go through. Um, My whole family kind of fell apart after Mm -hmm. that. You kind of expect, I think, in those moments, like, you know, you pull together and everyone comes together and, you know, you're there for each other. You're all going through the same thing. You've all just lost someone. Like, I lost my dad to, to suicide. So, like, that was, you know, that was kind of... I don't know. I didn't know how to deal with that anyway. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it just kind of didn't happen. So the house I was in, I ended up kind of being pushed out of. Um, my partner at the time, like, he did his best by me for sure. Like, but I, I, there's actually more, like, there's, 
probably weeks, months. I don't know that I don't even really remember. Um, and but it was pretty hard. Like I had to, you know, no one else is really capable of doing anything, and I've kind of been the one to like get stuff done generally and um so you know I like I planned the funeral I you know chose all the things and you just you just kind of have to get through these things sometimes you don't have a choice um if no one else can do it you have to do it um someone has to so uh yeah did that stuff and uh further down the line like a few months later like things were pretty tense between like my family and I like I, I don't really have anything to do with my brother still. Mm-hmm. I've, like, repaired my relationship with my mum. But um, my partner, I came home from working a convention that one of my friends came down to help me with and all of his stuff was gone. <laughs> so <laughs> I came home and that was the end of that. Um, <clears throat> and then I uh, left the house that I was in. I, was, I left my nana's house. Like, that was, like, my home, you know. Um and I had to find somewhere else to live. So pretty much my friends have carried me through a lot of really hard stuff. Um, I had people kind of uh, take me in. Uh, one of my friends that I did a trip before I left New Zealand again with, um, I lived with him um, and one of our mutual friends. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah Adam and Meyer. Yeah, yeah. So lived with them um, for, I think, several months. And... Yeah, it just kind of kept going. But tattooing, honestly, I think has carried me through a lot of stuff. So did your tattooing stop during that period? Did you have a break? I like, think I maybe had a week. You serious? Y- yeah. Was it a way to distract you from, in a sense, the, what's going on in your life? Yeah, I think I probably, like, I think in those moments and Was in those like kinds of times. Yeah, mechanism? for sure. Like, that's something you need, like, I think that's the thing about tattooing for me is it's been something that's, like stable, it's given me a purpose. Like I need to do my best still by these people because it's really important, you know, whoever they are, my clients. Um, and so it's given me something, yeah, to, to still have mm-hmm. to do. In a way, is tattooing like a meditative state for you that you um, just hone in, you zone in, you get into a flow state and you ignore things around you? Or do you actually quite f- often find yourself tattooing just thinking about the birds and the bees and um, I mean, they're kind of a little bit one and the same. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it depends on what I'm doing. So sometimes, like, I really have to be cognitively thinking about everything that mm. I'm undertaking and, like, how something affects something else, like with the light or, um, uh, yeah, things like that. But quite often, like, I will just get into, like, a bit of a meditative state and things just kind of happen or it's very intuitive. Like, I think that's why or partly why I'm, like, I don't think I could teach someone is because a lot of what I do feels really intuitive. Mm-hmm. It's not me logically or technically, like, you know, thinking and knowing. It just happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's probably fair to say that it's quite meditative. So the... um. Next key thing what you wrote down is your partner leaving. That's kind of lumped into the same point, really, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, that was... That's the same partner yeah, you just that, mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So, and then that kind of was pivotal because with that happening, like, I had to choose. I'd already kind of got halfway through my visa. We were mm-hmm. both going to go back together. Um, but, yeah, that happened. I'd already spent, like, I don't know, over five grand or something on this visa and I was like well I might as well what else am I going to do I might as well keep going and just I'll just leave the country I'm not mm-hmm. I don't have my home anymore I don't have my partner I'll just leave <laughs> um and so yeah I just threw myself into moving to a new country this is actually something I asked Jai the other week so he's a uh, episode still to come out 
but I've got it here. Do you think there is a beauty in losing something so dear to you? Like the fuck it, I'm just going to go for it now. Do you think that hit you? Like all this turbulence. Uh, when you have nothing left to lose, you yeah. just, you just, yeah. you, you know, there's, there's no way, <laughs> nowhere else to go but up. Like, yeah. you know, you're like, if I can handle this, I can handle anything. Like, you know, you just, you just keep going. So you, you just have to keep going. You, you don't have you a choice. You lost your old man. You kind of lost your family in a way. Mm. You lost your partner. Um, you lost your, your home. Yeah. <laughs> you lost the fuckload and you yeah. just sent it, to, sent it to America. Yeah, yeah, I did. So your next <clears> I picked point? my life up and I kind of ran away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did actually see this the other day and I wrote <sighs> it down as well. It's like, it is a real flex when you're... Um, when you're so goddamn low in your life and you manage to pull yourself out, pull yourself up and fix the trauma, um, which is quite remarkable. Like, obviously, you've done a lot since then, which is still a lot to unpack. <laughs> but do you think you were running away from all that stuff or was it just the fact of, I just need something new? No, I think I'm, well, I was pushed into it in a way mm. because, like, I didn't have any of the familiar things that I had anymore. So I had to make choices. And because I loved the state so much and because mm. I was already halfway through my visa, I was, I was on my way, you know, going back anyway. So um, I don't know. I think I just, I didn't, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like liberating in, in a sense that you don't have, you're not tied to anything mm. anymore and you can kind of do whatever. Um, and cause I had the scope of being able to go and work in the States and do those things. Like it was like, well, I can, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'll figure the, I'll figure everything out on the way. Yeah. So moving to States and a bit about uh, the UK as well. So you're bouncing between the two, right? Yeah. So initially, Tell us about that stage. initially I started off with the States. Um, Manhattan, you said? Y- yeah. So, well, I wasn't working in Manhattan, um, but I was in New York. So there's five boroughs, um, and yeah, I moved there. I worked in a shop with a really cool bunch of guys, just really nice people. Um, I lived with, oh, I found, yeah, I lived, lived with this other lady. Um, she was beautiful in like a one bedroom apartment. Like it's expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I had the bedroom, she had the lounge. Um, it was really cool. We had this beautiful view, like looking out over. Um, on the fourth floor, looking out over Manhattan and Brooklyn, you could see the both of them. Um, so it was cool. It was a cool time. Uh, and pretty much like I was really busy there. I had a lot of really great clients. Uh, I used to tattoo about four days a week and I'd spend sort of two to three <laughs> designing. Um, cause that takes me a really long time. I'm not fast at that at all. And yeah, I mean, it was still like, there were definitely some hard times. Um, before I left, I had kind of had like a, mm, gone through this trip. So with Adam, mm. um, we both tattoo. So we did this big trip around the South Island and camped and worked in different places. And that was actually something where I, that was where I met, um, the next partner that I was with. And mm. so we kind of kept in touch then and ended up eventually together, um, but yeah, so it meant I was in the States, I think maybe four, three or four months, my four months, my first trip, mm-hmm. came back to New Zealand, worked the convention, was in New Zealand for a bit, went back. I used to come backwards and forwards and pretty much skip between um, and miss out on as much of the winter here as I possibly could. 
Nice. Yeah. But no, it was amazing. Like, it was just so, it was just so different. Um, and I'd love to go back. I really would. Uh, but my visa has expired, so I'd have to have to do the whole process again. And what did you do in the UK? Um, so I went over and I worked in Oxford. So with Amy, with Amy, so Amy Cornwell, um, she had the shop in Oxford, and I got to basically go work there with her. Um, and like you can kind of see, like in my work through those different time periods as well, like how it's sort of changed. So. Um, my work sort of slacked, my work slowed down really essentially. Um, in New York I was doing a lot of big pieces, getting a lot of stuff done in a day. People were travelling in from different places. You know, they might take it. I have one client, you know, they take a train for 20 hours, they come get tattooed and then they'll, they'll go home again. And Damn. I had clients who like slept in their car, that you know, they drove there, slept in their car, got tattooed, you know, their mum drove them home again, kind of things like that. Um, I got to do like wedding proposals. Like It was it was cool. It was such a like fun time. Um yeah. Wedding proposals. Yeah, well, like, so one, um, it was, like, it's just cute. It was, like, a stencil, you know. You put a stencil on, right, for a tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, so this was just really sweet. It was, like, a will you marry me one. Oh, so I yeah. put the stencil on, and then she went out and, like, was like, you know, what do you think of this? And then, yeah, so that happened there at the shop. There was a female proposing. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then... Uh, yeah, we did the, obviously didn't tattoo that, but <laughs> did yeah. the actual tattoo. So, no, there's heaps of cool stuff that happened. Um, yeah. What was the time period like? Was it 18 months? Two years? Uh, so on and off there for three years. Um, and then I also at the same time got my visa for the UK. So that was a two-year visa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they both coincided. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, kind of skipped between all of them. But after working in the UK, like near the end of that, um just taking it back, but because I was talking about my style of work in, in New York. So yeah. when I moved um, to work with Amy, it definitely slowed down. Like I kind of honed in on some things and really tried to push myself. Um, I really admire Amy's work and um, I tried to just sort of learn really um, as much as I could. And uh, yeah, eventually came back to New Zealand and then decided I was going to do like, because I had my visa, I was going to do a big trip around the States and do a few guest spots. So um, my friend, like one of the friends I'd made when I was in New York and we spent a lot of time together, we decided to do a big road trip, um, which was about six weeks and we drove from New York sort of up to Chicago. I did a guest spot there and then we drove all the way basically straight across, um, to the West coast to Oregon and I worked in Portland and uh, we did big Sur, So we drove down the Pacific coast highway. So we like camped. And I worked, mm-hmm. and eventually we stayed in some Airbnbs because the south is really hot. So we went all the way down the Pacific Coast Highway. I worked in San Diego, um, and then drove across, um, all like through into Texas, and kind of we cut back up through uh, Kentucky, and yeah, sort of headed north back that way. Went to New Orleans. That was cool. Um, yeah, it was a great trip. But like camping in the states is so different to here. Everything is different to here, but like, you know, when you got to think about beers and like, mm. you know, not smelling like food, mm-hmm. <laughs> like having everything beer proof, um, it's quite scary actually. I was definitely over it by the end. Of, yeah. You know, you're, you you're go to bed and you're like, you won't, well, any kind of beers, yeah, I suppose. you're not talking about liquid beer. No, no, like actual animals, yeah, yeah that you just don't want to get eaten by. So yeah, that was an New experience. Zealand's pretty safe. Though. Yeah, we're so safe. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do I do appreciate that about New Zealand for sure. So how do you think this kind of whole experience crafted you into the artist you are today? Was that like a quite a defining period to when you come back to settling into what you do now? Was that yeah. kind of crafted through there or I had think, you already started? Um, I mean, I think the whole, everything, you know, it all plays a part. But I think with the scope of the work that I got to do in New York, like I had a lot of variety. There was, mm-hmm. I had a, a, a lot of clients who wanted to get tattooed. I had a big sort of client base there. How did you get a client base? Um, I mean, the shop promoted me. Um, so social Instagram, media. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instagram, I would say, would be like the biggest one. Um. I think the majority of people who followed me around that time were definitely from the States mm-hmm. and, and New York. I don't, I don't even really know 100% how that kind of blew up. But, um, yeah. Mm. Um, another point that I just had written down as well is um, sponsorship. Mm-hmm. When did you get sponsorship? Was that um, during that period or when you came back? So, so when I came back, I think I got to picked up a few more sponsorships, but there was stuff that happened while I was away as well. So, um, I've been really fortunate, um, to have different companies approach me and, and, um, offer me sponsorships. Mm-hmm. So, um, with one of them in particular, like Eternal Inc., I'm, you know, incredibly grateful for that. They, they've supplied me with so much. Um, that happened when I came back to New Zealand, um, I've used them for a really long time mm-hmm. and um, I really love their, their ink. So, yeah, I've, that was like one of the major ones. Um, and then uh, there's also a few others, so like Killer Ink, Tattoo Supplies in the UK. Um, and then I've also had been given a lot of stuff from um, Stencil Stuff and Quick Caps and, yeah, I'm just – and OzTat. So they picked me up early on, actually. Mm-hmm. So OzTat is a, like a really beautiful um, aftercare, so like cream mm-hmm. – um, and they do other products as well for tattooing with too. So, yeah, I've, I've been really lucky. So as a young Kiwi girl, did you really see yourself becoming this tattoo artist, getting sponsored? Like, is sponsorship a big deal in New Zealand as well? Um, I think so. For, like, for me, it's a big deal. <laughs> but, like, um, is, it, is it common, I should say? No, so I think, I don't know, like, a, I don't know if anyone else, for instance, in New Zealand has an eternal sponsorship, but there's definitely other artists with mm. different sponsorships for, like, machines and inks and all sorts of things. Um, but it, you need to be, oh, I don't know what the right word is, but, like, pretty good at your craft mm. to, to earn a sponsorship, really. Was it a moment where you realized um it was a pretty great moment like i don't say cracked it but like you know you you fermented cemented yourself <laughs> i hope i'm fermented <laughs> i know i'm getting old like. <laughs> do you think like when these uh came in that you felt like you actually cemented your place as a tattoo artist um i think i mean i kind of felt in a way like i you know I had my place as, an, as a tattooist bef- mm-hmm. before that, but it was just a really nice, like, it was something, yeah, a it was reward. just, re- yeah, it was like a reward for, I don't know, <laughs> it was just rewarding, it was great, yeah, yeah. but I think, um, no, I, I think when I, before I left New Zealand, like I, having a strong client base here and having a lot of clients, like I've just been so grateful for that for such a long period of time mm-hmm. um, because that is what sustains me as an artist and so having obviously clients mm. means I can keep doing something that I love um, and that fulfills me so yeah half time break <laughs> do I get coming, an orange? coming back to New Zealand 
Um, coming back to New Zealand. Oh Does man, you need a I'm gonna have a water. Um, yeah. <sighs> um, you did mention, you know, it's game of two halves. Mm-hmm. It's your first forty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your next <clears> two <throat> point. Coming back to New Zealand, buying a home, opening a shop. Yeah. Okay. So I won't like I'll probably skim some of this a wee bit. Yeah, but, for sure. Um. Coming back to New Zealand, so I was obviously with my partner at the time, um, moved back to New Zealand and moved to be with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a son, so we, like, that was... Can I link the next location. key turning point in with this turning point as well? Uh, what's the next one? Being isolated. Yeah. So this uh, links in, because the isolation, when I asked you about this, is isolated from a lot of your friends and family. Yeah. So part of this coming back to New Zealand, you actually went down to South Island. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. Okay. Um, yeah, so I came back. I moved down to the South Island. I didn't have any friends or any family mm-hmm. down there. I literally moved there because my partner was there. Um, and so, yeah, we bought a home. Um, actually worked backwards and forwards between Auckland and Christchurch until um, COVID kind of happened. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Why would you bounce between the two? Uh, he was already doing that, so oh, okay. I just kind of went with yeah. it. Um, and that there's another well really great shop up in Auckland. So. Um, yeah, my client. I mean, my clients now still come from all around New Zealand mm-hmm. um, and internationally as well. So, so yeah, that would have worked well for. Yeah, both, both yeah, islands, really. Yeah, so yeah. pretty, but pretty much like it was working in Auckland and living in Christchurch. Um, mm-hmm. So it was it was a lot of flying. Uh, it was pretty like intensive mm. yeah wouldn't um probably opt for something like that again that's interesting yeah yeah um it was busy so yeah, yeah did that um then we kind of had the covid thing that happened um and then yeah moved basically just down to the South Island, uh, and then opened a shop, so signed a lease in the middle of <laughs> of lockdown. Um, I've always been like, oh no, you know, this is going to work. Like, I, I don't know, I just go with stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the next thing. I'm wanting to keep pushing. So um, we opened the shop down there, poured my f- heart and soul into that. That was, um, that was a big thing for me. Um, and then, yeah, essentially... I was isolated, really, like, so COVID was isolating for Mm -hmm. everybody, Mm. Um, but then also, like, living in the South Island and being away from everyone, I'd already been traveling overseas, you know, and I'd obviously kept in touch with friends, and I still Mm. did when I was in the South Island, but I didn't have anyone to, like, go have a coffee with, or go catch up with, or anyone outside, like, I had my partner, and that was kind of, and his son, and that was kind of it, Um, and I think with the way that that kind of unfolded, like... I was, yeah, like I say, like not without going into everything, but it was really, really isolating for me because I didn't have any other connections with people. Mm. Um, okay, without jumping the gun yeah. too fast, what was it like, you know, building a your own studio from scratch? I'm guessing it was from scratch. Yeah, it was a it, lot. Like, yeah. Lovecraft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why so, Lovecraft? Um, <laughs> to be honest, it was just a name that popped into mind, like, when I was in, <laughs> when I was in Prague, um, when I was in Prague, and uh, maybe just like with the alchemy of things, I'm not sure. Um, so you went at the Sex Museum when you thought of this? No, I didn't actually go to the Sex Museum there. Went to the one in New York. Um, 
anyway, so yeah, just kind of came up with that, and he was sort of like, well, can't think of anything better, so we went with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's Lovecraft Atelier, and that's the name of the shop. But I didn't want it to be like a tattoo studio or parlor or whatever because. I want to be able to have all kinds of art mm-hmm. um, as a part of it. So it's like tattoos is just one medium, um, mm-hmm. but I'm I paint as well, and um, I've got other things. So so was it just uh, you two artists in there? Did you get more? Yeah, like, no. Like so yeah, for a long time it was just um, just us two, and then uh, sort of ummed and art about getting somebody else. He wasn't really sure if he was committed to me, so he wasn't really sure if we should get anybody else. Mm. Um, anyway. Decided he was, we got someone else, then decided he wasn't, and mm. uh, then he had someone else with the shop. So when um, I left. There's always yeah, someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a really bizarre kind of time. Um, But this, did that kind of reflect to you that this was a dream achieved that when you were the next turning point is losing it all but was that yeah yeah so I like that was something I wanted like I wanted wanted. a shirt well it wasn't something I always wanted but it was something I felt like was sort of necessary Mm -hmm. so I was like you know we're both necessary as a natural progression or just to settle down um I think probably as like a natural progression because there was nowhere else really that I was would have probably chosen to Mm -hmm. work like in that area um that I knew about anyway. So mm-hmm. I think it was just like, why, you know, we're both tattoo, let's do something together. We can make something really cool. And we did. Um, and so I was, yeah, I was really proud of that. Like I say, like I did put everything into it. It mm-hmm. was something I created, you know, and it meant a lot to me. Um, so it was really, really hard to say, <laughs> to say goodbye to. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd just worked so hard for that and you know that we had a really beautiful home um and kind of like on the surface I suppose like if we're going to get into it like on the surface I had everything that I had thought that I wanted mm. and you know like it was very like a picturesque kind yeah. of life you know okay one more thing before we jump into the next part mm. is um what does a tattoo studio actually look like what like I've been in one where there's Six different beds. Yeah, you're right. in one with these two. You're just saying there was nowhere else to that you wanted to tattoo. Mm-hmm. Like, what makes a studio or so? I or an re- artillery, like I call it. Um, <laughs> like, is it? Do you have <laughs> styles it. together? Do you have? Is it just the connections between the the artists? So I've worked in a bunch of different studios. So even overseas, um, lots of like street shops and then also private studios. Mm-hmm. So coming back, like I really wanted a private studio um, because I don't tattoo walk-in clients. There was no need for, mm-hmm. for a street shop. So nothing street facing. Um, and to be able to kind of like do all the admin and stuff a little bit behind the scenes and and then, yeah, essentially have like a private space where you didn't have people coming in all the time mm-hmm. um, so you could focus on the art. For me, anyway, yeah. So then you've got private, you got street mm-hmm. styles, and do people just just gel and then they work together? Yeah. So I mean, street shops are super fun. Like you know, yeah. in New York, like that was such a good time. It was so loud. It was so fun. Um, but then I think as well, like I, I enjoyed the both of them. Mm. Um, and then you know, being in Oxford, sometimes I would be there, you know, on some days by myself, so it can be quite quiet. It's a little bit more similar to what I have here now. Do you feel like that's isolating now? Is just being by yourself? You and the client, like um, you don't and have the that. like where I am now in the yeah, studio. Yeah. No, so like I, 
You don't it, have it that could be. social environment, do you? No, well, to a degree. So, like, I have I have help at the shop, but mm. um, I think for that, like, because I get so much else outside of tattooing, like, I have, like, a great, really, really mm. great network of friends here and, like, quite a, you know, I have a social life here and I'm not isolated. Mm. <laughs> um, that, like, really... I think fills my cup. So like having that space and being one-on-one with a client is really, really nice here Mm -hmm. Um, and getting to connect with people. I think it's, it's a different experience for the client as well. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the stuff that I do, like, you know, I'm with someone for a really long time. It's quite an intimate, like, you know, setting Um, people open up and it's just, I don't know, it's a really nice experience. Well, I, you know, hope for my clients, but also I'd agree. <laughs> like even doing this, um, being able to have an in-depth conversation with somebody. Yeah, yeah, like you it's connect what with you get. people. Yeah, for it's sure. not just surface level shit. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's one of the things I love most about it. Like, you actually can connect with a lot of people mm-hmm. if they're wanting to talk, um, and you make really great like friendships and connections with people. And, and quite often, you end up seeing these customers yeah. multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and especially over years as well. So like it spans a long time. I tattoo quite a few people that mm. I used to tattoo in Hamilton now over here. Um, so it's really cool to have that, um, yeah, the sort of the diversity. Some people, you know, don't feel like talking or whatever, but it's it's nice to have the option. Yeah. It just reminded me, I was just thinking – at what point do you become a friend with somebody? So that's something. Well, I was talking to you about this, wasn't I? <laughs> uh, so to become a best friend with somebody. No, it wasn't me. Um, so a good friendship begins once you've kind of spent 140 hours with each other. Oh, yeah. Your best friend kind of happens when you spend about 300 hours with each other. Do you reckon it counts if we live together? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Bless you. I think, I think not. <laughs> <laughs> Now, there's something <laughs> else. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to find it, but it's a different link that I had on before. Basically, saying like a true friendship builds around 200 hours is the main thing. Mm-hmm. But like just the casual friendship, I thought it was a lot less, but here's just one One of them is saying 90 hours. I actually thought it was like 40. 40 is not that much. It's like a working week. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was thinking. By the, by the end of this, like you tattoo somebody, you mm-hmm. could have somebody full day, just imagine mm-hmm. eight hours just shock a day eight hours you do them five times they become a casual friend <laughs> yeah so i think like some people you definitely it's like anything though you go out in the world and you connect with different people mm. differently and so some people you just really click with but that's like, quality time eh? yeah yeah and i mean that's like you know you, you think about all the different kinds of like love languages and things too you know like mm. quality time and you know it's really sweet a lot of my clients bring me gifts which i like it's i love it's mm-hmm. so nice um, and then just, I don't know, there's just so much that, I don't know, it's it's just really cool. It's like making, it is like making friends with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Last key turning point, losing everything. <laughs> so. So I've already well, gone through that first round of losing everything. Well, it didn't we lost, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we lost your Nana. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We lost your dad, you lost your partner, you lost a lot. Yeah. Your home, that yeah. time as well. I feel like I kind of went through like another cycle of the same thing in a way. Um, fuck, okay, they just popped something into my head. So your your key turning point is losing everything. 
um, which includes the home, the shop, partner, best friend, the dog, city, and you mm. had to start over. This so it felt like like a whole clean slate, like everything so dropped out of my life real quick. I can't, <laughs> I can't think of it in the top of my head, but this is the second <laughs> time it's happened. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like a quote or a saying about like, if you don't learn the lesson, like oh. it's going to repeat? It? You know, that one, eh? you know what I, I mean? I know what you're talking about, but far out. So did you not learn your lesson? Oh, like, I don't know. I don't know how many lessons I have to learn. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it was still it was sort of different things. I don't think, okay, let's put it this way. I don't think. It wasn't the same lesson. Think, but yeah, yeah, I don't think learning a lesson is necessarily losing somebody. So No, no, no. I don't think that's a lesson but to learn. Clean but slate. Yeah. Um, uh, hypothetically, was it easier to start over this time then? Because you've already done it before? No, this was actually much harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I think when you, you have an idea of what your future looks like and, and where you're headed and you've, you know, you with this, that. for instance, I, you know, where I'd gone in and bought a house with someone and I had created a shop with someone. Mm-hmm. Like, I had I'd put everything into making my life. Um, I'd come back from overseas to, to start a life and I thought my life was going to look a lot different. Um, so I suppose grieving like that, like, and having at this point as well, by the time I'd lost everything, like, because I'd been so isolated for so long, like, I hadn't really realized how much that it impacted me and affected mm-hmm. me, like, as a person, like, I really did lose my sense of self, like, I lost myself, um, I was a super hyper-independent, like, I could do anything, I'd jump on a plane, go to New York, I'd, I'd figure things out along the mm-hmm. way, like, I was pretty sure of myself, um, with a lot of things, and then through the process of, of being in the South Island, like, I felt like I just completely, like, I lost everything, I had no confidence, I doubted all of the decisions I made, I I was just trying to maintain connection, with, you know, and foregoing myself, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, abandoning self, really. So that was, I think, a huge thing, and I'm really, like, in a way grateful that things for sure did, like, as much as it was painful and, and is painful, like, ended there because I, I had lost myself already, mm-hmm. and really, if you don't have yourself, what do you got? Um, so... When you come out of a storm, you won't be the same person who walked into it. How has this changed you? Coming through this storm? Mm, this specific last key turning This point. specific storm. So, so you lost yourself going into it. I did. And I think it was a very hard and fast like learning of coming out of it. So I, with the end of that relationship, like that was the rug kind of felt like it had been pulled out from mm-hmm. under me. Like I didn't have a choice in any of that stuff. Really, like I didn't have a choice in <laughs> having to sell my home or like, you know, I, I couldn't stay down there. I had no friends, no family, I had nothing. So um, I moved back up to the North Island. I took a month actually and I drove around. I didn't know what I was going to do, where I was going to go, if I was going to go back overseas or if I was going to stay in New Zealand. Um, I drove around for a month. I visited some friends, um, kind of just looking for somewhere to live, like where I thought I might want to live. Mm-hmm. Um Life completely changed. So, uh, yeah, pretty early on in that trip, I came here <laughs> and um, I was with a friend and um, she took me down to the beach and she just kind of like left me down there. She went back up to the house and um, I just sort of had a, like a moment, uh, I suppose, just like looking out at the beach and mm-hmm. at the water and I was like, just felt like I was like, this is it. This is here. I'm coming here. Um, and at that point, I didn't even like I hadn't even really registered that I actually have quite a few friends living here already. 
I'm surprised so, just listening to the story. Yeah, like, you've yeah. got so many friends around here. Yeah, so a lot of my and friends, so many good friends. Yeah, well. moved here. I am hyper grateful for my network of friends and the people I have in my life. So like, I would not have come through this last storm without them. That was yeah. like, it was crushing. Um, and they really carried me through. So. I have had a lot of help. I've had a lot of support and like I just I really couldn't have done it without them. Um what kept you going? I would say my friends <laughs> for a large part of it, but also like I don't know, I, I think I have a you just well, I think when you've already gone through different things, you just have to keep going like when something I don't know, it's almost you get to a point and you're just kind of like, well, it's got to be something. What does else, that say? Right? What does that say? <laughs> Resilience. <laughs> Fucking right there. It took you so long to come up with that keynote theme, but uh, <laughs> as we've walked actually, through, actually, you came up with it. <laughs> as we've walked through all of this shit, is that not what kept you going? Uh, the yeah, resilience. Yeah, yeah. That, and I think you know, I, I've, I want to create. I want to keep creating. I there wanna... was no giving up, was it? No, I mean, it definitely at points, like for sure. Like I think throughout my life, like everybody, you know, you have low points and I'm just really grateful I've had my friends there for those. But but you picked yourself up. Yeah. Time and time again. Yeah, I picked myself up and I've been picked up by other people too. So, yeah. yeah. How did you find yourself then? I think in the process of of going, like by being honestly back around my friends, like just actually people who remember who you are, you, you know, and, and treat you the way that they would normally have treated mm-hmm. you. Um, and you you kind of like almost fall back into step a little bit and you're like, oh, I remember like this and I did these yeah. things. And like you kind of, it, it was almost surprising like to come back to to f- my sense of self and I only really think I've probably kind of like kind of fully stepped back into that in the last I don't know probably just recently to be mm-hmm. honest like um by well, achieving you, some of the things that I've yeah. achieved and having my own home and like again you know like and having a place to to be able to breathe and to mm-hmm. to create and relax thank fuck you didn't get your last flat made up with me eh? <laughs> I'm so glad I got you <laughs> That sounds like another story for another day. It's another story for another day. Um, yeah, man. So it, it, there's been a lot of things. And, like, you know, we haven't obviously covered every single topic. But it, it has been really hard this last year. And, and it's been a huge thing to come through. But I did hit the ground running. Like, I came here in, I think, the March last mm-hmm. year. Um, I'd opened the shop by, I think, mid-April. Um, so I, I really moved up here at that point when I moved up that I didn't have anywhere I was going to live. I didn't have anywhere I was going to open a shop, n- mm-hmm. nothing. The following day I went to view a house, view a shop, got both of them. Um, everything just like fell mm-hmm. into steps. So it's funny how sometimes like you think everything's against you and all of a sudden just like a drop of a hat. Yeah. Things just line up. Things all your ducks up. just line up. For sure. Yeah. I felt really taken care of like just, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that happened, and then, like, so I mentioned before, like, Lonnie, one of my really good friends, so Video Easy, um, he helped me with so much stuff, with, like, hanging stuff on the walls and putting things up and um, at the shop setting up. They, um, and, like, I've had a whole lot of help from friends to just basically, everyone came together. It was a real collective effort, and we all put that shop together. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really 
took care of me and and helped me out and I just yeah I don't I don't know how I managed to get such great friends but I'm so glad that I did <laughs> yeah um an image popped into my head with like just imagine like a history class you see an image of time mm. from fucking whatever to now and the, the evolution of certain things mm. do you have an image of evolution of your art what what do you mean like well like what you used to do oh, to what you do now yeah i mean <laughs> have you ever thought about looking at that yeah it would be quite interesting actually to go through and just let every year or so have a progression of things yeah um it is interesting to look back do you think your life impacts your art or influences has influences on your art yeah. like in a way what's going on in my life influences what i'm talking about in these podcasts yeah of course right? does yeah. that resemble in your art at all yeah I mean I choose so, so for me to paint something a lot of people ask me to do commissions for things right but I, I kept, I've always kept painting for myself and I've kept tattooing for other people so mm. um, tattooing for other people so I, you know that's inspired usually by their ideas and some of my ideas and it, it's kind of you know it's creating for somebody else and so I try to um, you know just create something as best I can for them mm-hmm. Um something beautiful and something that's going to bring them joy, right? And then so with painting, a lot of stuff I do is usually either for someone or inspired by something. Um, It's for a purpose. Like I don't kind of just usually do random stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And it actually takes me a really long time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, with paintings, I would say it's probably more impacted by my life and life, yeah. and what I've I've gone through. Yeah, yeah. didn't you say Lonnie pulled out all your old. Bits oh and no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh he's so proud. Um, yeah, no, he showed off some of my earlier uh, earlier paintings um, from probably 2013 when I was around at their place the other day, and uh, it was quite confronting. I just, you know, <laughs> it would have been nice to sink through the floor at that point. Um, but it's really sweet. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Art's interesting, but I do think it's reflective of, of you know, what you're wanting to put out there in the world, and it's it's a part of you. Yeah. You know, I, I think of art like being an extension of yourself, and, you know, you're putting a part of yourself out there in the world, and I think, you know, that creating, it's like, well, what are you, what are you creating with, and, and where does that come from, and what do you want to put out there? Uh, is there anything you'd like to add to this whole idea of resilience? Um, give me a question. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen it time and time again. This entire story of this, yeah, this getting hit, getting down and out, and you just keep coming back. Um, mm. I was just wondering if there's anything else you'd like to add before we move on. Um, I think I don't know. Resilience is really interesting. I think it's it's something that kind of comes when you you don't have a choice because it's there's no other option. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there's been a lot of times, you know, like I don't mind lying on the floor. I'm like, you know, I've lay on the floor and I'm like, I can't can't go any further than here. Like it's, it's and only that's relatable. up. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be relatable in so many different ways. Yeah. So um, I love the floor. It's a uh, been there for me a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah but no I think I think just persevering and being determined and and 
what you want in your life because at the end of the day we're all creating all of the time and I think it's just important to keep pushing forwards in a direction so like I said when I hit the ground running here like I knew what I wanted I didn't know how I was going to get there but like everything just unfolded and the right people showed up at the right time and that's kind of been what's happened throughout my life so I'm very grateful for that it's good connections though Mm. throughout everything oh 100% yeah what does the next chapter look like for you that is a good question. See, if you listen to my podcast, <laughs> you'd know, I would know. You'd know this I'd have is an a answer prepared. The next chapter. Well, I'm hoping the next chapter is you know on the up. I feel like I've uh, I've uh, left last year behind, and I'm ready to just kind of like you shut slash, the door on that one. We're halfway through the year. Oh man! <laughs> so this year has been great. Um, obviously, you know settling here and then you and Benny have turned up and um the next chapter I'm just going with the floor see what comes yeah it's not too many rigid ideas yeah that's good yeah a question that popped up is uh do you talk about potentially like states and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and like the fond memories you had Mm -hmm. do you think that you can't go back to the states at the moment other than the going through the whole visa thing but because you are getting older and you are wanting to settle down eventually, do you think that's a key part? Um, or is it just because you have now invested all this time and effort into Lovecraft that? Um, I think having like having the shot for sure. Like, but I feel like I needed that. I needed mm. to create that. I I needed to have something that was mine that nobody else was going to be able to take away from me after I'd kind of had things that were mine and yeah, somebody yeah. else was able to pull the rug. So, um, I don't. I think at the end of the day, like. I could decide to to pick up and go. Um, obviously, getting a visa is a process, but I don't, I don't think it would stop me. Um, it depends. It kind of depends what happens and what comes into my life. Like at the moment, I don't really have any set. You know, there's nothing rigid. Um, I'm like I say, I really am just trying to kind of go with the flow and actually just enjoy my life and participate in it rather than being set on too many. So I've goals. asked. Previous guest Laura, this um, future guest Grace, this, but mm. uh, you are thirty one. Is this <laughs> is this like the whole fertility <clears throat> thing? Is this um, something on your mind quite often? Oh, I mean, I've definitely like I've definitely thought about it. Um, I think I think I'm okay for myself. Like whatever kind of happens, like in my life, like things are just going to happen anyway. Mm. You aren't always in control of everything, so I'm. Like at this stage, kind of happy to just mm-hmm. see where life takes me. Because at the end of the day, like I still have, like now I kind of have myself again, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I can still create and I can still go and do all these other things and I can still have an influence in, you know, someone's life or, you know, I've got friends with children and things like that. So I don't think I'm, I don't feel like I'm really missing out like at the moment, but who knows? Like I think, well, that can... 100% change. Um, but yeah, obviously, like, it's not something I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do that by myself because that would be a horrendous idea yeah, yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. Last part of your homework. Oh, yeah? <laughs> did you have a quote or words of wisdom for our listeners? Oof. Um, so I thought of a lot of things, right? Um, and then I was like, oh, yeah, but I don't know if it all sort of applies to everyone. So, well, I mean, one, keep going. Mm-hmm. No matter where you are or what's happening, like keep breathing. But 
um, I think for me, like something I thought of was, was just like, well, what are you creating in the world? Like mine was a question, like what are you creating? What are you creating with every day? What are you bringing into your life? What are you, you know, I think they're just questions for people. Like it's something that I kind of think about when, you know, if you're feeling a bit, for me, a bit stuck or something, I'm like, okay, well, I don't, like things maybe aren't looking so good right now. So what am I creating? Like what am I bringing in? What am I bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. And, and what does that look like and how is it influencing the people around me? So it's kind of self-responsibility a little oh, bit, I suppose. That's, that's good. Um I'm sure that'll challenge a lot of the listeners. That's actually challenging me right now, trying to think about it. <laughs> Does your answer change regularly? My answer for for that question yourself. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think with because of what I do, and because I am actually, you know, creating like mm. art, for instance, all the time. Like I try to create everything from a place like with intention. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to create things like with love that will bring people joy. I want, you know, these things that I'm putting out there into the world that are essentially an extension of of me, right? So I'm wanting them to make things overall like um, just something that brings people joy, I think. Yeah. Uh, Mine this week is you have to work hard in the dark to shine in the light. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's like working behind the scenes. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of your clients wouldn't know anything on your backstory and understanding where you come from to get to where you are now is pretty remarkable. Um, And as I have found out, you do shine in the light of tattooing. (laughs) You're not just some street tattoo artist thing. (laughs) As humble as you are, I found that out. Um, and you've done a lot of work in the art realm and also on yourself and all that kind of shit. Mm, I think everything's just like a general progression and, um, I don't know, like, like I say, you just kind of have to keep going and focusing on what's next. Mm. No, thank you so much. Um, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks. (laughs) Your lovely humble abode to share with me and Benny. (laughs) pleasure um no thank you so much uh, for opening up peeling back all these layers um i know there's a lot well i hope a lot to unpack some of it's helpful or useful or something i'm sure it's relatable to a lot of people um thanks everybody for listening um stay tuned i suppose (laughs) follow yeah or start listening if you're me yeah (laughs) uh there is an instagram account there is a tiktok account for this um, start of season two. Let's get it. And I'll link you all your shit too if people want to have a look at your fantastic art. Okay. I'm sure they will. <laughs> it's remarkable. Um, Thank you. But I you're booked it. out at the moment. So if someone, <laughs> if someone wants a tattoo. You just got to wait a hot minute and just don't get mad at me because there's only one of me. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Cheers, everybody. Adios. Adios. <laughs>